0: Danford football's over-under win total for the 2022 season is one game higher than it was going into 2021. It sits at four and a half. I'm taking the over. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 Play by Play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the conference. Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you are listening to or watching this show right now. I appreciate the hundreds of you out there who have done so already. We just hit 500 subscribers on the YouTube channel. Thank you so much for helping grow the show. Your likes, your comments, your subscriptions, wherever you're listening or watching, helps with the show tremendously. So thank all of you for doing that. And thanks for being a part of the show to talk about the Conference of Champions here. There's fans who you know listen to the show from uh, all, all different teams in the conference, really. I've heard from USC fans, from Oregon fans, fans, from Colorado fans, Washington fans, Oregon State fans. I don't know why the accent sounded weird in terms of where I was emphasizing syllables on the Washington, but you get the points coming from all over the place. And that's exactly what uh, what the point of the show is. So thank all of you. Let's get to some over-under win totals. We're going to give each team the full run through and look at their schedule and just and just keep it rolling. We'll be doing one per episode for basically each of the next 12 episodes, except for when we have on uh, a guest like a, a John Garcia, who will be coming on later this week to talk about. About recruiting, lots of recruiting news in the Pac-12. By the way, USC, Oregon, Washington, all looking really good on the trail at the moment. Arizona not too shabby either. But we're starting with Stanford's over/under uh, win prediction for 2022. Brought to you, of course, by our friends at Bet Online, big-time sponsor of the show here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. They have got Stanford's over/under at four and a half. Now going into 2021, it was three and a half, and they went three and nine. Which just goes to show you, as always, Vegas knows. It may be a cliche, it's also hilariously true, because, <laughs> and that's just that's the ultimate sweat right there. Um, if you if you had bet the Stanford over under came down to the final week of the season, I mean that's 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 good stuff. But. Let's go through Stanford's schedule and look at where they are and why I think that they will hit over four and a half wins in the 2022 campaign. I I think Stanford is poised for a bounce back season as a program that has just not historically stayed down under David Shaw in the 12 seasons that he has been there so far. This past one was their worst. I think that's going to be more of an outlier than a, a continuing trend. But If I'm wrong about that, and Stanford struggles mightily again in 2022, I think that seat underneath David Shaw will start to get pretty warm. I don't think it'll be hot like Herm Edwards is right now. I think he's probably got the hottest seat in the Pac-12 conference at the moment, but I do think it would start to increase in temperature, shall we say, if Stanford puts up uh, another three or four-win season, and they, they go under this four-and-a-half-win total. So let's go through the schedule, and then I'll give you the result after uh, after each one as I see it right now, and then we'll just assess where they're at by the end. So they open with Colgate at home. I'm going to go way out on a limb here and say they're not losing to a brand of toothpaste. Stanford, 1-0. and Week 2, and Stanford is one of those Pac-12 schools, USC another— that always have early conference games compared to everybody else, and because it, it's because they play Notre Dame, and I I don't remember if Cows uh, got that this year because I know they play Notre Dame as well. So when you have that on the schedule, and Stanford also plays BYU to round out the year, you just kind of have weird places for a conference slate. So you could see that as an advantage or a disadvantage. I, I think it's a mild disadvantage that you don't get as many non-conference games, which you know if you have a, a three, if you have three, which is pretty standard. Oftentimes that could be two chances to kind of work out the kinks in your team. And then maybe one of them is a little bit more of a challenge and chance to prove yourself before you start playing Pac-12 opponents. But Stanford will be one and zero, barring a uh, pretty, that, that would be, that would increase the temperature on David Shaw's C. Let's uh, let's say that, but they'll, they'll beat toothpaste there. Then they're going to play USC. I think that's an early season tone setter for both programs because you have an opportunity. The Trojans open with rice. So again, you're not going to lose to uh, a type of food that I had for dinner tonight. Like, that's not a thing that Lincoln Riley is going to do in game one. I think they're favored by 30-plus points. Like, it's, it's it's going to be a blowout. So, you'll have a couple of 1-0 teams there looking to, you know, kind of set the tone for their season, establish themselves as players in the Pac-12. USC, of course, trying to go beyond a Pac-12 championship. But in season one, that's where the goals are, are set at this point in time. In the long run, of course, it will be college football playoff, New Year's Six Bowls and and such. But um, I, I think even in week two of year one under Lincoln Riley, they've brought in a lot of transfers. That's going to be the strength of their team. They, they'll need a couple of years to fully build up the recruiting base and have the sort of depth that you might need to get to the college football playoff, even playing in the Pac-12. But I think even in week 2 of year of year 1 they're going to be able to score a lot of points especially cuz you have that Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams and Mario Williams continuity. I mean there are a lot of other new faces there but you know running backs you can fix you can mix in pretty quickly. Uh, Austin Jones will be going up against his former team or yeah, yeah, Austin Jones will be going up against his uh, his former team here. And then you have Travis Dye in the backfield as well. So I, I think this is a game where USC's offensive firepower is is just going to be too much. And I, I think the, the, the Trojans ultimately will come out on top. So I've got Stanford coming out with a loss right there. And they fall to 1-1. One one. Next week, they go at Washington. The Huskies quarterback room is not decided right now. You have to assume Michael Penix is going to be the starter. He's got a history with Kalen DeBoer going back to their time together at Indiana. He comes in as a transfer, leads you to believe he's going to be the guy. I I can't imagine them putting Dylan Moores back there. Sam Heward has the highest ceiling of the, the, the bunch, the highest rated quarterback recruit in program history. But he has been, you know, a little shaky in the early, the, the early stages of his career. But we haven't seen a lot from him yet. But let's assume Penix is the starter. I think it's possible that, that that Tanner McKee in that game is going to be the best quarterback. And even though it's in Seattle, Washington's playing their fourth straight game at home to start the year. Their first two, they should be able to win against Kent State and Portland State. But then they've got Michigan State. I think that's going to be a pretty tough game. And though I could definitely see Washington feeling like they need to get on a bounce back here and get a win to kind of re jumpstart their season because they're probably going to start two and zero and then on paper that will look really good. But the, the first actual test of how they're going to be in year one with Kalen DeBoer is how they perform that Michigan state game. I don't expect them to win, but if it's a tight game, then I will shift my perception of Washington because going into this year, I'm not very high in the Huskies. I don't think their roster can, can hold up to win a high number of games. So, I'm going to take Stanford in a close one there to go into Seattle to beat Washington. And so the Cardinal will then be two and one next week. They go at Oregon. That's a revenge game for the Ducks. After what happened in Palo Alto last year, they stopped Oregon. I mean, Utah would have eventually, of course, but they stopped Oregon from uh, keeping an undefeated record and they temporarily sort of knocked them out of the college football playoff discussion, but Oregon worked themselves back into it. And it was a crazy finish to the game, Um, but beating the Ducks at Austin is something Stanford has done with regularity under David Shaw. They did it in 2012. They did it in 2018. They did it in 2016. Yeah, that sounds right. So it's not as if they can't do it, but I, I think for a lot of Oregon players on that roster who were down in Palo Alto last year for that game, that's going to be a revenge game. And beating Oregon at home, I think, is going to be pretty tough. So I'll, I'll take Oregon there. Kind of a chalk pick, but I, I can't see Oregon losing that game. So I think that'll drop Stanford to two and two. So a 500 start is not bad. How will the rest of it play out? I'll tell you after I remind you this episode brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now M possible, imposible, as they say in Spanish, for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why door, pointless, or intimidating questioning when you could just save time and money using Rock Auto, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Little slur there. Reliably. Um, I promise I have not been drinking tonight. Don't worry. So, uh, next game up for Stanford is Oregon State at home, and then they go at Notre Dame, and then they're Arizona State at home. I mentioned the next three in a row because I'll, I'll get to the the uh, the bread of the of that sandwich of games, but the the one in the middle. I don't see Stanford going to Notre Dame and winning, even though I anticipate them to be better than they were last year and and to have a little bit of a a bounce back season. I think their schedule here is pretty tough. I mean, getting USC at home is at least an advantage. Uh, Stanford did beat the Trojans last year that started the, the downward spiral of the Clay Helton era in Los Angeles. But, I don't see them being able to go to Notre Dame against a team that very nearly won a New Year's Six Bowl a season ago when their only loss was to a playoff team in Cincinnati. You can think what you want of Cincinnati, but they were a playoff team nevertheless. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be at that level, even though I expect them to be better than three and nine. I don't see them going to win that game. so I think that's a loss, and that puts them at two and three. And Then between Oregon State and Arizona State, you've got two games at home against two teams that are kind of going in different directions in terms of the overall status of their football programs. I think you've got Oregon State trending up, and I think you've got Arizona State trending down. The caveat there is that Oregon State is coming from the very, very bottom and working their way up. And Arizona State, they're not coming down from the very top, but they're consistently a 7-8-9 win program under Herm Edwards since he has been there. The recruiting has fallen off massively. There are a lot. It's, there, there's been a mass exodus. From the program via the transfer portal, they've added a lot of transfers to kind of to kind of cover themselves in that sense. But I I think both of those games, Oregon State and Arizona State at home are coin flips, because though I think Stanford will be better. I don't know if they're all the way there and I need to see how Tanner McKee develops from, you know, some promise that he showed uh, a season ago. But I expect them to split. I, I'm I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other. Arizona State does have Emory Jones, a quarterback who's won games at the Power Five level before. I don't have a huge, huge gut feeling about one way. If I had to take a, if you, if you want, if you really wanted me to pick, I'd say they beat Arizona State and they lose to Oregon State because I I like the Bees this year to be a seven-eight win team. I think that's one they could get done. But so. Nevertheless, they're three and four. I've got Stanford three and four through seven games. Then they go at UCLA, another team like USC, their LA counterpart, that have done a great job in the transfer portal. They've added a a lot of guys who are going to play right away. A lot of those players on the defensive side of the ball, a DB from Wyoming, the twin brothers from North Texas to play on on the defensive end slots. Uh, They added a couple players from Oregon who were good looking recruits when they came out of high school and Jalen Davies and uh, Jalen Jeffers as well. So I think UCLA's just got a, a better overall roster there, even though Stanford's 2022 recruiting class was pretty darn good. Number 19th in the composite rating and 27th overall when you factor in the transfer portal, which Stanford can't really use at all because it's just not something that their program really allows for because they have strict academic standards and they're looking for a certain kind of guy that they tend to find at the high school ranks. and. It it works for them, but I wonder if that's going to be a disadvantage going forward, something I've uh, mentioned here on the show, but it will be uh, something to monitor in the coming years as well. So I'll I'll take DTR and Zach Charbonnet and the weapons that they've got and the transfers UCLA is bringing in to win that at home. It's not a huge home field advantage at the Rose Bowl for UCLA, but it's still easier to play in your home stadium than it is to travel, even though it's not a particularly long trip. It still plays a factor, and you know Vegas spread lines always indicate that, even if it's not known for having a, a ruckus crowd like a Utah, Washington, or an Oregon, or a USC when the Coliseum is packed. So I'll take UCLA there. Stanford drops that game, goes to three and five. Then they play Washington State. I think it's big to get Wazoo at home here, and the Cougars are an interesting team. I could see them taking a massive step back from last year, but I could also see them being right around where they were a season ago. I don't know about a huge leap forward. I think Cam Ward might need a a year at the power five level to fully realize his potential as a quarterback. But overall I like what Washington state did last year and what they could potentially do this year, but I don't see them taking a leap to being an eight, nine or maybe 10 win team. Um, I, I could maybe see them winning eight, but I, I think they're going to be close to that 6-7 that range. And I, I just I think it's big here to get Washington State, from Stanford's perspective, to get Washington State at home and Washington on the road. Even though Husky fans are going to give uh, UW a much bigger home field advantage than Cougar fans will up in Pullman, they can be rowdy. But if you're talking loudness, of the two stadiums and just uh, overall venues that that cater more to a home team, Seattle is a a much stronger place in that respect than than Pullman is. But I I think in that game against Washington State, it feels like a game where David Shaw is just going to find a way to win. They'll grind it out and maybe it'll be a late stop or a late turnover or a late third or fourth down conversion that the offense picks up behind, you know, those big boys on the offensive line. I think Stanford slows this pace down, tries to limit the air raid attack with Cam Ward. And, And by the way. Washington State has been known for that over the years and they are going to have that sort of philosophy once again offensively. But you also have to factor in that they're a little bit more of a defensive team with Jake Dicker than than we're accustomed to. And though they, you know, are capable of scoring plenty of points, it's not a, a, a team anymore where they feel like they have to score fifty to win. They're they're okay scoring twenty-seven and winning the game, you know, twenty-seven, twenty-one. So in that sort of battle, I'll take Stanford in that sense, and they're at home. So I think they win that game, the Cardinal do, and get to four and five. Then then go at Utah. That's a pretty easy loss. I mean, winning at Utah and at Oregon and at USC, those are just, that's going to be really tough for anybody this year. I, I, I bet between those three programs, you have... At most two home losses. I I, I think I think at most you're gonna have two. You probably you probably have two, M- maybe three, M- maybe three. But those home field advantages are are no joke. Utah fans are rowdy as can be. USC just from a sheer volume standpoint can put the most people into their stadium and, and the hype around Lincoln Riley and. What they, what they can become once again is going to be very real, and I think Trojan fans will buy into that, especially if they win uh, early in the season. They look the way that, that we expect them to. And then Oregon at Otzen lost only one time in the Mario Cristobal era to uh, David Shaw and Stanford in 2018. Again, a wild, wacky Oregon Stanford play some wacky games over the years. But Ducks are really tough to beat at Autzen Stadium because those fans also are are very, very loud. Um, I think those are probably your three best home field advantages in the conference. you got to put Washington in there uh, as well. But I think those three, it's it's tough to do. So I think Stanford goes at Utah and loses. And that drops them down to four and six. And and by the way, on Utah, I think they're going to be quite good. You can't be as dominant defensively when you lose players like Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell. And and Sewell, you know, has the, the name brand recognition with his uh, with his brothers who, you know, one of whom was a top ten pick, the other one who was going to be a first round draft pick, and he's not quite on that level, but was still a really good college player. But you lose a guy like Devin Lloyd, your defense, even with the the Diabate transfer from Florida, who's gonna slide in and most likely start. Your defense is probably going to take at least a little bit of a a step back. So I expect Utah to be very good. And right now, hard to pick anybody else to win the conference. But do I expect them to be what they were at the end of last year when they were trouncing Oregon and very nearly beating Ohio State in the Rose Bowl? Not quite. And if Utah is healthy in that game, maybe they do win win that Rose Bowl. Uh, That leaves two more games for the Cardinal. And I think they're both going to be wins. Their opponents, I will reveal after I tell you. Bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. They're bringing us th- bringing us these wonderful lines that give us a-, a benchmark to look at season previews. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Go Mariners! Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to esports and scores and more. You can get all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. You can bet the MLB. MMA, boxing, golf, whatever you want. Head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. The final two games for Stanford, sitting at four and six through ten games. I think they're going to come down the stretch, become bowl eligible with two clutch wins at the end of the season. Last year, when Cal went into Palo Alto and just Gave Stanford a drubbing 41 to 11. Cal scored 41 points. Doesn't sound right, does it? But Berkeley is not a huge home field advantage. And there are plenty of guys, Tanner McKee and David Shaw, most notably included, but there are plenty of others who were there at uh, at Stanford Stadium for that game. I think they go at Cal in the big game and get revenge in 2022. And it's just one of those scenarios like you see in the NBA playoffs all the time. A team, you know, beats, uh, beats their opponent on the road, maybe in like a game five or game six. And you think, oh, they're going to go back home and hold serve. Just, just a feel I've got. I think Stanford goes in there, gets the win, and then comes into the final week of the regular season trying to get back to a bowl game. They'll be five and six, and they get BYU at home. That's a lot on the line at home for a team that is trying to rebuild back to where they were six, seven years ago, and be a perennial Pac-12 contender. A team that's won multiple Pac-12 championships and won a couple Rose Bowls with this guy named David Shaw as their head coach. I think that incoming freshman class that is top 20 nationally, if you're just looking at the composite rankings in terms of the the true freshmen coming into uh, the, their football program this year. I think they're going to be coming into their own, be playing some of their best football and guys will be, you know, starting to, to carve out their roles and really starting to, to excel at the power five level. And I think they're going to find a way to beat BYU, the de facto uh, 2021 PAC 12 South champions. And though that was a great year for the Cougars, to me, they seem ripe for a little bit of a, a step back again. Have I looked into it extensively? Not, not really, but, Just a feeling, just just a feeling. It's like when you look at NFL playoff teams, you're like, "Mm, I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if they're going to be able to repeat that success. Like BYU was playing at a really high level in 2021. I don't think they'll be at that same pace in 2022. I think they'll probably be around the eight, maybe nine win mark. But I I bet you they win eight games and one of those four losses in the regular season to Stanford. I think they'll become bowl eligible and then. I can't predict a bowl game because it's just there's so many moving pieces there. And I don't know what opponent they're going to have. But just to recap, I've got Stanford going over four and a half wins after they were under three and a half wins. their predicted win total in 2021. I've got them going over four and a half. I think they beat Colgate to start, not losing the toothpaste. I think they win at Washington. I think between Oregon State and ASU, they get one win. Both games are at home. I think they beat Washington State at home. And then I think they get it done against Cal and BYU. Six and six. That's a prediction I've got right now for the Stanford Cardinal in 2022. Okay. There will be four of these next segments coming here on the show which is why you should like and subscribe if you have not already because these are what we call new coach expectations now jake dickert at washington state is not technically speaking a new coach yada 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 he's coached games before this is his first first full season upcoming so we're going to count him as a new coach and i'll do uh jake dickert kalen DeBoer, dan lanning and of course lincoln riley at usc we'll be looking kind of general expectations goals for the team and the disappointment standards so for dickert expectations. And this is not something you say a lot in Pullman. I think to be above 500. I think that's where Washington state fans are at. And after you hire an interim coach who goes seven and five, and then has a poor showing in a bowl game, you make these changes. They actually, in a weird way, this might sound a little bit out of left field, but they remind me in one sense of Kevin Durant going to the warriors, not because they've loaded up with super talent, but because by any measure they had a successful 2021 season, disappointing end with the bowl game, but by Washington State standards they had a successful 2021 season. They were competing in the Pac-12 North with Oregon and Oregon State, and they were above 500. You go seven and five in the regular season, that's a solid place to be. Doesn't mean that's the ceiling, right? We've seen kind of what the ceiling can be, which is 10, 11 wins that like Mike Leach got back in it was 2016 or or so and they won the Alamo Bowl 16-17 something like that but the reason they remind me of Golden State when they got Kevin Durant is they were good but they made a move in the offseason that made quite a bit of noise because they wanted to get even better and the reason that the expectation here for Washington State should be above 500 is you have a successful 2021 season and you send your one and a half year starter and reigning freshman of the year, Jaden DeLora, out of the program, right? I mean, I don't know if they told him to go per se, but he leaves so that you can bring in a new offensive coordinator and Eric Morris and his quarterback who comes with him, Cam Ward from the FCS level. That's the sort of move where you're thinking, I think we're good here, and if we ran it back, we'd be good again, but we think we can be even better with this guy. And that's what they're telling you, is they think they can be better with Cam Ward than they were with Jaden Delore. That means if you're a Washington State fan, you should have an expectation at the very least that they are above 500. So it's it's the same sort of vibe. Like, If the Warriors had not added Kevin Durant after the 73-win season, losing a 3-1 lead in the finals to LeBron, Kyrie, and the Cavs. Speaking of which, what a circus Kyrie Irving is. My goodness. Anyway, um, if they had run it back without Durant, they would have been a, a finals contender once again. But they wanted to get even better. So if you're making that move as Washington State... Um, I, I think that that's, that, that's a reasonable expectation is you got to be over 500, you know, keep playing sneaky, solid defense. Like they did a season ago, they should be two and one through their non-conference games. Uh, they've got Idaho out of the big sky an FCS opponent and Colorado state. They'll probably lose at Wisconsin, but if you're two and one going into PAC 12 play, that's a good place to be tough to open with Oregon, but if you can get Cam Ward acclimated to the FBS level and start putting up some points and that defense does what it did a season ago, then Washington state once again, should be a pretty good team. I think their goal. And again, this is not a requirement from an expectation standpoint, but a goal would be to surpass last year's win total. If you win eight games, including a bowl game, by the way, if you win eight games of Washington state, I think that's a really good goal to have because then you're showing year over year growth. And, I think that another goal that they should have is to beat Washington again. You're going to get them at home. And though I'm not as high on Washington as some of the betting markets are, or, you know, maybe some of their fans might be. At the very least, we can all agree. Washington is not at their peak because at their peak, they're a college football playoff caliber program. And they're most definitely not going to be that in year one under Kalen DeBoer. You just beat them badly in Seattle you now have them at home in Pullman. I think those are the two biggest goals for Washington State. Get to 8 or more wins including the bowl game and beat Washington at home. I think that's a really strong opportunity there for Jake Dickert to be able to beat Washington's first two seasons as uh, the head coach for the Cougars. And then finally here, the disappointment standard, you know, where we would look back and say that was a disappointing year for the Cougars. If you're under 500 I think that would be a little bit of a disappointment. I, I don't think five and seven, because you're in Pullman at, at Washington State, I don't think that's a disaster. But if you come out after, you know, calling yourself the interviewing head coach and, and making the, the Cam Ward, Eric Morris move and, you know, having Jaden Delora leave the program and there's some pretty reasonable expectations here, as I've been saying, if you come out and you win three or four games, that'd be a pretty big bummer for Cougar fans. And I mean, that's just... It wouldn't feel great. It wouldn't feel right. And it would feel like people would start to look around and go, wait, wait, should we have hired Dickert? Was that, was that the right, was that the right move? I don't anticipate that happening, but if it does, that would be the mood around the Washington state football program. So goals, win eight or more and, and beat Washington. Disappointment standard if you're under 500, but expectations, you got to be at 500 or better if you're Washington state. And I think you're moving in a good direction there. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and thank you again for helping get the show to 500 subscribers on YouTube. I will see you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.